I am here. But where is here beyond the mirror? Who am I in a world that fails to recognize me, that refuses to see this person I see? From Galdem, this is Our Places Here, a collection of personal essays written and spoken by migrant domestic workers living in the UK. Developed by the Filipino Domestic Workers Association, Canlangan Filipino Consortium, the Voice of Domestic Workers, and Kalayan, this campaign puts the rights of migrant domestic workers at the forefront. In April 2012, Theresa May revoked the Overseas Domestic Workers Visa concession, removing hard-won rights for domestic workers. In the decade since, migrant domestic workers have been made incredibly vulnerable to exploitation and abuse because of the visa change. But migrant domestic workers have continued to build communities of support and resistance despite government policy. These are their stories in English and Filipino, written in their words and spoken by their voices. In this episode, we're hearing from Nina, a member of the Filipino Domestic Workers Association who moved to London from the Philippines in 2004. Her personal essay for Galdem, Facing the Mirror, unpacking the personal and the political, touches on her intersectional experience as a trans woman and a migrant domestic worker. Content warning. This essay contains sensitive topics, including mentions of transphobia. Facing the mirror, unpacking the personal and the political. My favorite place is in front of the mirror. In front of the mirror, I see my history, my beauty, and all the places that mean so much to me. My hair, the lines on my face, and the blush on my cheeks trace my journey from past to present. I recognize traumas confronted and unresolved. Combing through my hair, I hear a secondary school bully taunt me for being weird and different, for being feminine. As I follow the lines on my face, I walk through a stranger's questions about my body, asking which parts I do and do not have. Through my makeup, I find the confidence to conjure up the person I feel I truly am. In front of the mirror, I observe how other people have made me the receptacle of their own shame. Still, it's also where I feel most present, where I feel truly here. I am here. But where is here beyond the mirror? Who am I in a world that fails to recognize me, that refuses to see this person I see? How do I locate myself in the here when nobody sees me? Being trans and undocumented is a disconcertingly dangerous thing to be. The first time I went out looking for work as a housekeeper, a prospective employer asked me for identification documents. For most people, that would be as easy as making a cup of tea or getting dressed for bed. But it is a lot more complicated for a trans woman with an irregular immigration status like me who comes from a country that will never recognize 
my gender identity. I have no bank account, no driver's license, no utility bills in my name. All I have is a passport. But what is a passport but another nail driven into the coffin of oppression? I am trapped in this flimsy piece of paper that is meant to speak for me, to know me, a passport with a dead name, one that bears my likeness but has never been me. When I had my passport photo taken, I was told to tie my hair back, to not wear any makeup, to put on a shirt with a collar so stiff it felt like a guillotine, not one piece of jewelry, not even a smile. That photograph isn't me. It's a flawed, dehumanizing system's idea of me. Being asked for proof of identification is an exercise in re-traumatization every single time. I decided to avoid that prospective employer, but that wasn't the last time it happened. It continues to happen. I have found some work now, fortunately, with people whose confidence in me as a capable housekeeper isn't tied to an ID. Isn't it ironic that the notorious serial killer, Dennis Nilsson of Muscle Hill, would have been hired immediately just because he had the driver's license and a bank account? What better illustrates this society's distrust and disrespect of domestic workers than the idea that asking for ID is excusable because employers are letting a stranger into their homes and that their safety is compromised? Aren't housekeepers going to a stranger's house too? Am I not also surrendering my fears for my own safety when I enter a prospective employer's residence? I remember one time I was cleaning a bachelor's flat while he was in his study, working, and chatting to friends on FaceTime. He suddenly appeared behind me, giving instructions. When I turned around to face him, he was holding his laptop with a camera facing my direction, making me visible to everyone he was speaking to. I felt violated, my privacy breached, my safety compromised. And that man and his friends probably found it humorous. Nowhere was there any consideration for my right to consent to being exposed in that manner. No apologies nor explanation given. Did he think he could violate my consent while still treating me with suspicion? Why does our society perceive domestic helpers as untrustworthy? Why does poverty and being a person of color equate with duplicity? I am made to feel like an outsider in this country because of my skin color and social status. Social and political stratifications like race and class shouldn't have to exist. Why do rich white people enjoy the benefit of the doubt? Which domestic workers are here to do important work, work that allows a household to function, not to be someone's slaves? While most domestic workers are afforded the minimum wage, one's immigration status can add other complications to their lives. Those with irregular statuses like me are often given wages below the legislated minimum. 
with employers citing their status as a reason. I am lucky to not have had that experience, but I am more the exception than the rule. A vast majority, if not all domestic workers, are women of color, and the plight of domestic workers is only indicative of how society in general views the socio-political category that is woman. In a transphobic, racist, misogynist, anti-immigrant society, where is here for me? I think the better question is, do I want to be here, to be a part of this society's current iteration? Can I choose otherwise, because I would like to? I would like instead to help build a society where everyone can be present anywhere, anytime. A world where we won't need mirrors to help us locate ourselves and reflect our truths privately in our own locked-off selves. Instead, we would exist in a world where we can see ourselves reflected in the light of our shared humanity, where we can be seen in the image of other members of our community and in the world at large. On next week's episode, we'll be hearing the moving readings and the panel discussion from the evening of storytelling at Refratorial Felix in Earl's Court, one of the hubs of the Filipino community in London. Migrant domestic workers and campaigners shared their experiences of taking part in the Galdam Creative Writing Workshops and the campaign. Following the panel discussion, the participants read out the essays they developed from the Galdam Workshop telling the audience their lived experiences in the UK in their own words. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on the Our Places Here campaign. On our website, galdem.com, that's G-A-L-D-E-M.com, you can read the essays and find out what you can do to support the campaign. This episode was created in partnership with the Our Places Here campaign. Our Places Here was produced by Iwan Obinyan with production and sound design by II Studios. The executive producers for Galdem were Sue Yin Haynes, Cece Peng, and Katie Goh. The executive producer for the Our Places Here campaign was Francesca Hume. Supported by the Filipino Domestic Workers Association, Kanlangan, and the Voice of Domestic Workers with graphics produced by Karis Peer and artwork produced by Khadija Saeed. <laughs>